This is the Traxxas Sector Warcast, a podcast about Warhammer 40k Conquest, the living card game from Fantasy Flight Games. Your hosts are Tobin Lopez, John King, and Carl Anderton. Episode 11, Speed Dating in a Competitive Meta. All right, welcome. This is episode 11 of the Traxxas Sector Warcast. I'm Tobin Lopez. I'm John King. And I'm Carl Anderton. John, what are you up to the, today? Well, with the release of FFG's own organized play tournament software, we thought it'd be a good idea to revisit how to create a great tournament experience, as well as how we go about preparing for a tournament. We didn't really get a chance to talk about any fluff last time, so we want to give our fair share of airtime to the Emperor, because as it says, he protects. And finally, we want to talk about the decks we love and hate, and the ins and outs of what our chaos-touched minds were thinking. (laughs) (laughs) And chaos-touch is really appropriate, because... After my regionals performance, I decided I'm going to play Chaos. <laughs> I'm going to get away from the Space Marines. So I'll talk about that in a minute. Welcome. But, um, but one of the things, we, we uh, last time was episode 10, which is typically a double-digit like celebration episode. And it really was, although we didn't really celebrate because we had a special guest, Brad Andrews. So uh, welcome, thank you again to Brad for joining us. Uh, that was a fun episode. That was a great um, interview. It was great fun. Interview. Uh, and and uh, got to know Brad a little bit better. Got to know a little bit more about how he thinks and how he designs the cards, and uh, even found out stuff about Eric Lang and, 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 and him <laughs> singing his command I'm, struggle. I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna kill you. It's like, then, oh boy, that's awesome. And, and uh, Brad's uh, daily life at FFG, or at least the bit of his of how his day goes at FFG. That was really cool. So episode eleven, we we got to double digits. We've started into the, uh, we're soon to become tweeners, if we're not already there. <laughs> so <Jeez>. watch out. <laughs> Terrible twos are nothing. Wait until you get the weird 13s. As a daughter, or as a daughter, as a father of a daughter who is becoming a teenager. I was going to say, yeah, she's going to be doing the family bit going, yeah, yeah. great. Mentioned you had that. to wait until she was 13 to do that? She Mine, turns mine's thir- an eight-year-old. <laughs> she's oh, well. already becoming a t- and then, I, and then I got lucky. I, got uh, lucky. Um, I, remind, so, I remind you too. This is going out recorded. So yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> so, so I, that's why I stopped. <laughs> right there. Uh, luckily, they don't. As John mentioned last time, they don't listen to this. Yeah, podcast. It, has <laughs> been, it has been mentioned. It's a good thing our families don't, don't, li- listen. don't listen to us. So we wanted to introduce ourselves. Uh, it's been you know ten good episodes in our in our uh, back pocket, and uh, hopefully ten or fifteen or twenty or more in the, in the future. Um, but I'm Tom Lopez. I'm I'm a professor at uh, Colorado State University. I've been gaming in one way or another uh, since I actually moved to Fort Collins. I moved to Fort Collins in '94, and in late '94, I I encountered John and uh, his group and the guys at a comic book store called Marshak's House of Fantasy. Uh, funny story about that title is that you'd get guys coming down, because it was a basement store, you could kind of see out the window of the basement, and it was Marshak's House of Fantasy, so you get guys walking down the walkway, they'd come in the door, they'd look, they'd stop, they'd go, what? And they turn around and go back out. So, well, can I, yeah, <laughs> the other house of fantasy you're looking can for I, is down the street. I was going to say, can I, can I quote it? I hadn't heard that story before. And what the recording isn't, wasn't showing was my face. <laughs> so people were saying that. I'm like, yeah. someone with a straight face named the game yeah. store bats. Yes, yes. Marshak's <laughs> house of fantasy. And now Marshak sold it uh, a while back. Yeah. And it's now Griffin's. So that's, that's what became yeah. of Griffin's. You're joking. No, no. no. Well, and there because, you go. Because Marshak's had a griffin as his as his icon. 
That's so I that's no the, well, idea. I'm that's, assuming that's how they morphed it into Griffiths, yeah. right? Quite possibly. So, yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't know, but that's that's comedy. I just have no a, idea. just a little insight into Fort Collins. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, <laughs> trivia. This yeah, is 21 years ago. Well, well, because Marshak had his basement. His basement store was flooded. Yep, in the flood uh, of '98. '98. Yeah. Wow. So then that's when he got moved into. That's when he moved into Old Town, and that's yep. when he. And after a few years there, he sold it. Yep. And Griffin bought it. No yeah. idea. That's funny yeah. as anything. Yeah. Crazy. So, um, so I've been gaming. I, I started with Magic. That didn't last very long. I, I, Magic was fun, and I played it. It's, it's nothing like it is now. There's, there's no. I mean, Magic in 1994, 1995. Yeah. One, moxes were everywhere. Um, just about everybody had a mox. I never owned one, but I had some Juzam gins, so that was cool. <laughs> but um, there wasn't tournaments. There weren't tournaments. There weren't Friday Night Magic. It was, if there was a tournament, we had a month to prepare, right? It's akin to, akin to a con- conquest tournament not these yeah. days. Like, oh, there's a tournament happening in a month? Okay, let me try to tune my deck. Bam, 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 right? And we had, that was what it was like playing Magic back in 94, 95 mm-hmm. here in Fort Collins. I played Vitas. I started playing Seller's Catan when that board game came out. And then we were off and running. Played net, played the old classic Netrunner, um, and have been playing games since then. So that's kind of a little bit about me. Uh, my name's John, and I am in the IT field. Been in there for, gosh, 15 years now. Uh, met Tobin at, at CSU. Uh, that's what I went to, went to school for. Uh, I've actually been gaming way back in probably junior high. I, was, I went away on a summer camp kind of thing where we we went out can we went out camping we went out hiking we we had we had uh uh canoeing all that kind of stuff up here in the mountains in Colorado and one night around the campfire one of the guys started telling a story and it wasn't you know it wasn't a ghost story it was a fantasy story it was all about wizards and warriors and then all the other group leaders started acting out and they were I didn't realize it but they were playing D&D verbally and all the kids we were we were just fascinated we were enthralled and I was enthralled at that point and so started playing D&D and this is uh this was between fifth and sixth grade so in sixth grade I started playing D&D we won't tell you how long ago that was yeah <laughs> most of you weren't born I was either. about to say I can't I can't remember how long ago that was how's that I'll, I'll be I'll be using dates don't worry <laughs> <laughs> well one of the things one of the things I was thinking about as I was driving up here for this was that we are on the older side of the gamers yep. right the gamers the guys that we all play Netrunner and Conquest with um I mean I don't know how old you are, but I'm guessing we're older than you are. You are, but not as so, much as you think. But not to, yeah, probably yeah. not as much. But John and I have our gray hairs um, coming in, just barely. Uh, uh, so, but we're we're playing with, we're just a little bit older. Yeah. That's all. I don't we're born know. in the but 80s. John and I were, John and, John and I are, John and, no, 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 no. John and I came of age in the 80s. Yeah. Of age in the 80s. <laughs> there we go. So that'll tell you that neon and. Spandex were part of our yeah. So let me say years. so so um, so the D and D I started playing is advanced you know advanced Dungeons and Dragons, oh, and man. that was brand new boys and girls. <laughs> so yeah. that's how long ago it was. You know, yeah, right. you know D and D's at fifth edition now, and that was and there was a twenty year span twenty year drought yeah. where it kind of died on the vine. Uh, but from so I played board games. It was always a it was always kind of a Saturday night thing in our house uh, where. Uh, people would come over and 
there'd be dinner and all the kids would be playing board games and then once the kids kind of got settled down then the adults were playing pinochle or poker you know later on um, so they were playing cards and then you know everybody take off about 10 o'clock so it, it, it's always been around um, played a little bit of video games I really got into card games again with Tobin and Magic and and VTES um, and then and played the original Netrunner loved it lots of problems with that game but still still loved it I, Lots of problems mechanic-wise with that game. And then uh, he got out of it for a long time. And Tobin said, they're remaking, F they're FFG's remaking Netrunner. I was like, well, okay, great. You know, I had no idea what that was. And, and I wasn't looking to get into a, another collectible card game. You know, I, I'm I'm old with, uh, <laughs> older, older, and i got to spend my money on my kids now instead of myself. So yeah, there was no way I was going to be able to be able to support that he's like no no it's a living card game it's completely different you buy the cards you get all the cards and you you go from there it's it's like wow that's great so been been, uh uh, enjoying the living card game universe and and, uh exploring everything ffg has to offer uh a lot of it's fun but i really think you know the card games are my niche now so that's where i'm going to stick i'm going to stay with i'm going to stay with conquest i'm going to stay with uh netrunner for as long as uh as long as it'll have me, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. So um, I'm Carl. Um, I'm from the UK, as is hope apparent. I my first job was working for Games Workshop. I actually worked in the hobby stores in the northwest there for a good few years in the late eight, 1990s, early 2000s. Um, before that, I'd been a 40k gamer. That's how. I, that's pretty much how you end up working for Games Workshop in the stores. Is you be, you shoot from a regular into a very regular, <laughs> and you start getting paid for it pretty much. At least that's how it happened for me. Um, I was a role play GM for years and years and years. I played almost everything you can think of. Really, and working in a game store like the Haunted Game Cafe now, you run around everything. I've helped set up a few things like that. Um, one of the independent game places I worked for was where I first hit Magic for a little while, and that was the first card game I ever encountered. And I bought a few packs and tried a little bit, and had no idea what I was doing between building a deck or playing a game. Yeah, and kind of like, and, and that's something we sometimes forget, right? That that first card game, that whether it be Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or My Little Pony these days, or I mean, I guess Net, Netrunner. So it's it's completely antithetical to everything we're we're taught about games, like. Oh, we play a card game. Okay, you wait. You bring your own cards. Wait, what? Okay. Yeah, you, you, you oh, and then and then there are rules. Oh yeah. Oh, but the cards supersede the rules. If the cards and the rules conflict, the cards. Wait. It's like so, you know, it's a card game where the cards break the rules of the game, right? It's, it's a little very easy, hard. To it was a, a little easier in some ways for me because um, with GW, you, um, the original 40k, the tabletop game, you're building an army. So yeah. the army is an analogous to the deck. You have yeah, yeah, and then yeah, obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. you have basic rules and, and the fun part is that miniatures break the rules. And that yeah. wasn't that wasn't too bad a deal. But I never really played Magic. I, I played a handful of games. I never tried to get into it. Never did. It was just something as part of the job. Fast forward a good couple of jobs later and they transport over to the US. And a friend of mine sat down with um, well, I mean, September after Netrunner release. And... and like Gen Con was the first thing I'd heard about it the whole massive right. swarm everyone selling out right. got the card, point, card game from in front of me played that thought yep this is amazing going to try that out going to give it a go and that was what meant that was what caused when Conquest came around for me to actually go hey I'm going to play this and try it out Yeah. and so and then with myself um, working in a game store uh, a, a, com- a combined cafe game store running around with drinks and selling to people um, Netrunner is our, our local big area one and now I'm I'm trying to be the, the push for, for Conquest mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah um, 
Conquest is, is an interesting beast on that front. It's been an amazingly big release. Really have to make clear to people that like the the other LCGs that are doing great just now had weaker starts than Conquest did. Right. We can run all the numbers. It's it's a strong strong game right, right now. Right. Right. You know? And 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 there's a lot of folks that down south in my 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 area that oh well I'll get it if people buy into it. If people if more people buy then I'll get into it too. Mm-hmm. Like okay well if the half dozen of you that are saying this to me are the other people and you're all <laughs> waiting for everybody else to get into it like I think you can just it's it's kind of game theory you both everybody has to go in at once for it to pay off for everybody but if no one goes in then no one it doesn't pay off and you know you guys know what I did I I bought when it was in shortage I bought several copies from time well spent and sold them to other people I'm like here here buy them here here get you know I gave them away to friends you know gave John a yeah, copy you gave me my I gave Jason Jason a copy and then I and I bought them on the cheap uh, from an online retailer here in Denver and I sold it resold them to other folks you know like just trying to push it <laughs> on that related note and this is less a plug for um, the, the cafe and more a plug for the game um our store, including other stores, have demo sets. There are pre-made, you-can-learn-to-play sets. Yeah. If you're thinking Conquest you're not sure, certainly yeah. come into us, come into most stores. Any store that's selling it should have these. And be, hey, do you guys have a demo I can try for this card game? Mm-hmm. And they will do their best to down you can play it. There's yeah, no, that's there's no reason not to go for yeah. it. Yeah. You know, Not everyone can afford to buy it and go flying off the shelf. We totally get that, so come and try. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I mean, I would imagine people who are listening to this podcast are probably more experienced players, so... That's a great idea. If you have friends that you want to get into the game, mm-hmm. take them to the take them to your local friendly gaming store. And say, hey, let's sit down and don't pull out your big Uber regional decks that you're going to crush them with. And everything you know, play play with the store's demo decks or you know some stripped down versions just so you can kind of get the rules down. Because or just you, you just got to set that hook lightly and and then they'll, they'll swallow the bait. Yeah, and, and and you know, you know how <laughs> did how did all of us like? I started with one course set at the at Gen Con, right? So. All you have, you don't have to necessarily build a demo deck. Just build a deck out of one core set. Just limit yourself to one core set's worth of cards. That is the contents of the demo deck. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. okay. And 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 go with that. Um, It's it's not too difficult. I think there's lists online if you want to find out what the actual demo deck contents are. Those might be the numbers might be a little bit changed from the core set, but I think the demo decks are smaller too. Yeah, like forty odd cards, something like that, maybe something like that. We just wanted, because we might have some new listeners, and um, we're on episode 11, we wanted to kind of reintroduce ourselves to the audience. One of the big pieces of news out of FFG, well, it's not very big, it's kind of fun, which is the sleeves that are coming for Conquest, those six sleeves, the um, <laughs> Dark Eldar doesn't get some sleeves, but everybody else does, and those sleeves I, I'm hoping will hit stores next week, um, so that should be cool. Uh, we can finally get, a, not that there's already... There's already sleeves out there um, from Warhammer Invasion, so if you find some at your store, you might be able to find some of those, but you can find some um, Conquest-specific sleeves mm-hmm. in your store next week, I hope. So regionals <laughs> are going on right now. Um, I went to one uh, in Bellevue, Nebraska this last weekend, and there's one happening this coming Saturday, uh, two days from, from now as we record this, uh, in Denver. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but I won't be able to go to the Denver one. John and I already have other plans. Carl, are you going to go to that Denver one? Are you going to make it? Well, no? Unfortunately, no. no. Oh, Regional is a hit for me. That's too bad. Yeah. So, uh, Wizards Chess down in Denver is hosting a uh, their, the, the Denver area regionals. 
Um, I went to the Bellevue, Nebraska one. Uh, my deck folded like a house of cards. <laughs> and uh, I ended up taking last place. But by virtue of there only being eight people, I took top eight. <laughs> so I got myself a mat. I got myself some tokens. Uh, uh, but I was, I was, as you can imagine, I was really disappointed. I went 0-4. Right, my uh, Ragnar deck, which had been performing at a, at a, uh, I think a 75% to 80% win rate, three out of four games, um, or just slightly better than, it folded, folded like a house of cards. I had over the four games, I drew one indomitable, and I drew one draw pot of salt, the entire time. Um, Brutal. It was really, it was really pretty bad. The third, the last game, the one is the one where. It was probably, I was competitive in the second game, but the fourth game, the last game, was probably the worst draw I've ever had. All I had was three cost units. I couldn't, I, and my, my opponent had some uh, uh, low cost units, so he won command struggles all over the place, and I, and I didn't. And so it was, it was really kind of, really bad. I, I got a chance to meet some other folks who play the game, and that was my regionals experience. I won't be able to. Hopefully, good luck to those who are participating. I've seen that there's a great deal of diversity in terms of the uh, the winning decks, right? The winning warlords. There's there's some great there's some good diversity amongst those. So that's that's, great. that's cool. And John and I did manage to get signed up for nationals, so we'll be there. Yeah, excellent. Yes. Uh, uh, if you haven't signed up, go do that soon. If you if you're going to be a Gen Con, there's no excuse for not playing. So running a tournament from the point of view of a TO, uh, again, we've, we've talked about this quite a bit, or we've talked about this in previous podcasts. Um, make sure everybody's informed. Make sure everybody's comfortable. They know where the exits are. They know where the ba- bathrooms are. They know what the rules and the etiquette is. Um, promote good sportsmanship. Uh, that's the job of the TO. And as far as you as a player sitting down, I don't know. There's there's things I, I try to use inclusive language. I try to be friendly without being, you know, too friendly. Uh, these are people you're sitting across from who share a love of the game, but you don't know. Besides that, if, if you right. don't know who they are, you don't want to assume too many things, right? Yeah. Jargon and, and, and um, acronym is always a fun one that people talk about. I, I see much more of the um, what might be called the average person coming into gaming. You know, and someone sits down and saying like, um, yeah, well, this is the control deck. There's not a whole lot of milling here, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they're going to mana screw in this draw. And you see this glass sheet appear behind the, <laughs> the person in front of you going, what yeah, are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. You know. So avoiding, <laughs> avoiding... Avoiding those gaming terms, right? Yeah. yeah Unless the other guy in front of you opens up with them first, then cool. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Then yeah. you know. Then you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So um, there's... So kind, of, so kind of consider Conquest, sitting down and play Conquest, kind of a, a, a speed dating thing? You just want to, you don't want to overshare right away? Yeah, that's <laughs> actually... To, to be fair, <laughs> yes, sitting down at a competitive card event is speed dating. You know, it's, I mean, you can make it, the parallels are right there. You're going to be here for like a limited amount of time. You've got to get on with things. You need to be as nice as you can be. You might be just like, yeah, cool, I'm done leaving. <laughs> you know, that's entirely possible. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm never going to see you, you again. again. Exactly. <laughs> that is completely accurate. That's a fantastic analogy. I'm taking my cards and I'm leaving. You know. Bye. <laughs> We've we've all been there. <laughs> That's awesome. So so yeah. Well, I was gonna come up with this. I was gonna share one of the one of the things that I come up with. There's nothing nothing so uh, 
nothing so irritating as presumed familiarity, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's, it's just, it's yeah. just, if you presume to be my familiar and I don't know you from in Adam, then I, I can get very irritated, right? You're opening up the, the, that door to irritation. Totally with you. Yeah. So, um, uh, but the the speed dating thing is also <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and, and you know, just so so approach it as a speed date. Right. Hi, how you doing? Hi, oh, welcome here. You know, you don't want to overshare. You don't want to use language that's going to make them feel stupid. You don't want to use language that's going to make them feel small or uncomfortable. And, I mean, if you're uncomfortable, if yeah, you're having, true. like you said, I mean, you're having a, a bad draw on your deck, which happens to everybody who plays a game, and things are just not working. Sometimes I know I can get vehement with myself, and but that can be mistaken to be anger at your opponent you know opponent you're like why are you been out of shape at me that right. your deck's not working i'm sorry right. and and so you definitely don't want you know definitely you know you, you have to have a thick you have to have a thick skin on both sides of the table but also you, you have to realize this is a game and you're like man i have the worst possible draw but don't say that you know right. don't, don't tell your right. opponent that because again it's you're kind of giving the impression <clears throat> if you start talking about how everything that's going wrong and you do happen to win, your opponent might go, great, great. You know, everything went wrong and you still crushed me? Boy, I feel perfect now. Yeah, yeah. yeah so so that, 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 that kind of, yeah. you know, it, but, but I mean, ha continue to have a sense of humor. No, Nobody's playing for $50,000. Nobody's playing for fame. 50 bucks. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're well, not, I guess you could resell some of the stuff for more than 50 bucks. Well, but, but I mean, you're not playing for fame and fortune kind of stuff, right? right you you right. know, it's not being televised. I, I, so we all love this game and we definitely want to do well and we want to take it seriously, but it is a game at right. that point. Now, maybe my attitude with that is the reason why if I had gone to those Oklahoma regionals, or I'm sorry, the Nebraska regionals with Tobin, he, would, he still would have placed top eight, but he wouldn't have been last. That would have been me. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I maybe maybe I'm I'm past that point in my gaming career where I no longer have to prove how great I am. I just want to have fun. Right. And no, I, I still have to prove how good I am. No, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> maybe it's because my daughters beat it out of me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I know that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's no longer me. It's them. Well, we've so. talked about this. I ended up going to the Netrunner regionals. A month ago, because my daughter that morning says, "Dad, can you think? Do you think you can get a mat?" And I'm like, "Well, honey, I, 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 I don't know. I gotta, I gotta get into the best eight of the. I mean, I gotta do really well. Go get a mat, Daddy. I want a mat." I'm like, "Oh, great!" So now my kids are actually pushing me. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Did you bring well, a mat? Yes, I Good got mom. top eight. So, 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 there so, well, so there you go. Well, okay, I gotta admit, my oldest daughter, she she plays Netrunner with me. I don't know if she. She doesn't play in tournaments. I think I think she plays to kind of just to have something to do with me, which is wonderful. Um, and she really likes Criminal, and she really likes Jinteki. So when those prizes are available in tournaments, I do find myself pushing really hard for those. Yeah, because yeah. I want to. Yeah, I want to bring those. Awesome. I want to bring. Oh those no! The, the as soon as I got top eight, I was like. Oh God! I can, I can relax now. Like, I was—I didn't realize that I would put myself on, uh, put a lot of weight on my shoulders to get that, get into the top eight to get that mat for my girl. You know, it's just—but it just oh, happens, awesome. right? So, well, okay. So, so going back, I mean, I think if you if you have fun and you're doing well, well, then 
it's, yeah. it's going to have. But even if yeah. you do poorly, you're yeah. still going to have fun. Yeah. yeah. As a as a both a long time student of human of human nature and being forced to do that as, as a job basis as a tournament organizer, there's there's two things you can do as a player to help a lot. One of them is the, like you say the friendly pol- um, polite aspect. You know, sit down sit down talk away. Don't be over familiar. The speed dating stuff. The part of it is r- remember that you are playing a game with a lot of other people. So a bit of speed and efficiency, as much as you can muster, is a really great thing. Mm-hmm. Now, no one's expecting you to hurry. No, you don't have to be like, oh, be pressured and rush. But, you know, you sit down, you're shuffling your deck, you're organizing your A to cut. You're being, um, again, kind of like the date, you're being politely professional about it, as it yeah. were. You're getting on with the deal. Okay. You, as many right. jokes, as many things you like, and that's part of not assuming the person on the other side knows what's going on. You know, you see people who, like, throw things out, throw a set of planets, slam a, a card deck down in front of you, and the other guy's like... What do you want me to do with that? Would you like <laughs> right. to cut? You know, right. yeah, you can, you can, you can talk them. I, I play against people who are like, yeah, okay, turn one. Yeah, you know, stone death crickets, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah. and that helps a lot with the setting, depending what kind of game you play. Some people might require deck lists if it's a bigger event. You guys have been regional, yeah. so yeah. those are always yeah. things worth worth to keep yeah. in mind to make make your life on theirs easier. So, 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 I mean, you guys played in the in the store. Store tournament. You guys had a game mm-hmm. game tournament here at the Conquest tournament here a few weeks ago. Why don't you share a little bit about how you might get ready for a, a, a larger, more significant tournament? As a player, or as, yeah, the, as a player, oh, as, as a player. player, as a player, it was interesting. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm dreadful at it. I'll tell you now. I always, <laughs> I always, I always have been. Um, but <laughs> what I tend to do myself, I'm, I'm a horrible. Um, I'm a dabbler. I dabble in everything. I play play everything once, maybe twice. I've always done that in every other game you can think of. And so in with a tournament event for me, it's, okay, what am I actually trying to get somewhere with? Am I going to worry about that? Is it experimental deck time? Um, I have the amazing ability of building something a week before and then a day before going, ooh, I should try this. I haven't played it yet, ever. <laughs> yeah. Brand new idea, let's try you that. You said that last all time. All the time, all the time. So <laughs> first of all, I avoid that if I possibly can. Um, yeah, I check the deck out. I do the usual... Again, we're kind of assuming a certain amount of pre-knowledge. I do what might be common among card gamers, which is having got a basic deck going, we'll do the little, maybe play a game or two with the card swaps. Keep an eye on what those cards are doing. I'm doing that right now with Chaos. I'll talk some more about that later on, actually. You were talking about Chaos Touched. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll mention that later. All right, cool. You know, yeah, and um, because I'm fortunate enough to be in a place where I, I can get quite a lot of games, I'll watch other people play. If you're, mm. if you're about to come up to a tournament, watch other people play games. Watch other people play that card game, definitely. Because yeah, they, they might have a they might have a combination. You're like, man, I didn't realize that it was going to work. That's oh, awesome. So much complexity in, in all the card games we play, particularly in Conquest and Interaction. You'll, you'll always see something and go, "Oh, look at that!" Yeah, yeah. That's a good thought yeah. to keep in and, mind. And the and the timing in Conquest. We've talked about this before. The timing, the action window timing. When do you drop? When is a good time to do a drop pot assault? When do you do a drop pot assault? Given that you have an honored librarian in play, and maybe he's the only one in the planet, or you know, so so. Honor Librarian is is one of those guys you need to protect, right? He's the four two unit space brains that you can't attack him if he's if there are uh, there are other non librarians at the planet. So it, it, when when you play a drop pod assault, which brings that uh, a three cost unit space brain unit into play at that planet, you know when is the ideal time to do that? So it, it's sometimes it takes watching other people, and if you can't frequently play. Then yeah, having time at a game store, being able to look over and say, "Hey," or at least be able to be there when somebody goes, "Oh my God, that's a great yeah. interaction!" and you come over and says, "What happened?" and mm-hmm. you get, you know, you get the four one one. It's it's you get your learning on right. Describe, describing my work day. Well, yeah. Team, Co- <laughs> Team Covenant has been posting a lot of the 
or a lot of the recorded uh, games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, and yeah, so that's I a think good point. you know if you're at work or at home, and you, I, I'm not saying if you at work. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not. Um, Watch YouTube videos while well, I was going to say we're, <laughs> well, we're not condoning that imme- in the immediate sense. So, so sure we are. Let me qual- let me qualify that. And sometimes in my duties, while I have while I have so- have kicked off some maintenance issues going on, right, and I have to let the co- servers run while those are running, and I'm sitting there because I kind of have to ca- have to keep an eye on it, and I can't do anything else. You know, we're allowed to watch YouTube. All but right. we are allowed. Compiling stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but yes, if you're waiting for waiting for something to compile. But, I mean, if you have some downtime and you're, and you're hanging out online and you want to catch a quick... And you don't have to watch the whole thing. You can just catch a, you know, just watch the first couple of rounds. Yeah, and having like that. said that, Team Covenants Regionals is this weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they're June 6th. So, and I know they're putting up their Netrunner videos from their elimination stuff. And they will probably have a top table feature going on this Saturday um, for Conquest. So they'll probably be putting a top table up in Conquest. So if you can, check that out. That'd yeah, be awesome. Yeah. Well, we've seen. Watching it live um, is pretty cool too because then you can chat with the other people that are watching it and <laughs> you're looking over everybody else's, sh- you're kind of looking over their shoulder watching these games and oh, he has this in his hand, and say, so you can see how say, people play. For, it's very cool. Fortunately, the, the guys on the table aren't, aren't seeing the, the stream at that right, time. Right, right. No, I was going to say, having, having, having watched those, no offense to anyone watching that kind of I, stuff, but I, you don't want to hear it. I think there's a bit game. of a delay, too, if I remember correctly. They put a 30 second delay. Yeah, again, minute, to help, with, help delay, for that yeah. kind of rule, yeah. rule system thing. Yeah. So, the, the biggest thing I try to do is, is be a little familiar with the deck I'm going to play, at least in, in the fact that, okay, this is my, the basic idea of what I do, of what my deck's going to do. But really, it's more of I want to make sure that I show up to the tournament clean. You know, I'm smelling nice. <laughs> I want to. I, I showered, shaved. Yeah, I usually. Well, maybe not shaved. Maybe but, not shaved. You know, but I, I usually always print out a deck list, uh, even if not one. I know one's not required. One, it also helps me when I'm making sure it's like okay, yeah, I have all my deck together. Um, yeah, that's very important. You know, right? yeah, make sure I you have usually fifty cards in. Usually, make sure that uh, I've got a. Something to drink, bottle of water, uh, kind of stay hydrated. While some of these tournaments, some of them haven't really gone all that long, and there's breaks in between, you can kind of get up. But here, you know, in the cafe, a lot of times when we've had tournaments of 10, 12 people and it's between rounds, all of a sudden you got, you know, eight people in line waiting for a drink. Right. Little, little rough there and everything. So it's really more, more of I want to make sure that I and I, I don't take a lot of stuff. I, I bring my cards, I bring my tokens, I bring my deck list, and my drink or you know, mm-hmm. and that's it. I, I'm not trying to figure out how I'm going to haul my bag around. Like, oh crap, where did I leave my stuff? Yeah. Right. As, as both a TO and the um, employee of a gaming location, drop in there. That is huge. If you go into a tournament, it's like going to like a con. Carry absolutely what you have to have with you because if you all bring three bags, the place feels solid and everyone loses everything. Right. And it and you want to see our lost and found. Right. But you can't see our lost and found for the things in our lost and found. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I I also try to be minimalist in what I bring. Um, the 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 point about being familiar with your deck is important. As as I was drawing cards this past weekend, I'm looking and I'm like, this my deck is not working. This is not working. So I start I start to sense okay, I, the, and you if you have to be familiar enough with your deck to know if it's progressing how it has before. 
how it typically does. If it, is it a one-off? Is it doing really well? And if it's doing really well, how do you push that advantage? If it's not doing so well, how do you hedge your bets a little bit? So knowing your deck, and this applies to not only Conquest but also to Netrunner, and I'm, that's that's where I'm drawing a lot of my experience from is both of these games. Um, know your deck, know how it's playing, know how it's drawing, um, know what the challenges are to it, right? So if you're if you're playing a a, a big elite high cost unit deck, or if you have more high cost units than typical, maybe you don't want to play that two coster that's going to do nothing but um, be an additional icon that doesn't make a difference whether you win the planet or not. Maybe you want to save those two resources for later because you might draw the big bad in, yeah. between yeah. now and the next deploy phase. And you want to have to end those two resources. I mean, a Space Wolves, the, the big Space Wolves tank, whatever that is, <laughs> the, the seven cost predator, <laughs> right? The seven cost predator that when you deploy it to a planet, the opposing warlord cannot commit to that planet. Unless it's the last planet. Unless it's the last planet, um, that that's a big bad, right? Mm -hmm. And but you need seven. And that may win you a game. And that may win you a game. Exactly. It's it's lost me a game a couple times. You know, <laughs> when played you, against you, me. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you right? slap that you slap that down, and all of a sudden you're like, now I know that not only can your warlord not come there, but they can't bring any of their army with them. Right. Right. So it's not just the warlord. You're just like all right. those units in HQ. I don't have to worry about it for. for seven, yeah, and the only thing that gets research. around that is mobile, right? So Baharoth, I learned like, oh, look at that. Oh, I, I got played against me as Baharoth, and I'm like, oh, okay, and then mobile over. But Ragnar, right? Eldar, uh, Eldaroth, Starbane, they can't recommit. They can't even recommit to that planet, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's done. So you need those two resources. So know how your deck is playing. Be familiar with it. Know when it's running well, when it's not. Know, know when you have to help it and when you don't. Um, so that and that's kind of, and I and I and and probably the I might have two decks leading up to a, a significant like a store championship or a regional or a nationals. I might have two decks in mind for a few weeks leading up to those those events, and then um, usually the last week I figure out I'm like okay this is the one. This is the one that plays better for me, um, and then, and then what you want to do? Then what I usually do is I say, okay, have I accounted for the stronger deck types? For instance, it didn't make a difference this past weekend, but I put in a third tactical squad, Cardenas, because I found I'm like, okay, this area effect one is not necessarily a big deal, but it can be huge against. Packmaster Kith. It can be huge against Baharoth, who has tends to have one caught one hit point or two hit point guys. And if I can clear the board with two of those, I'm going to put. I had two copies in. I'm going to put a third copy in because the, I'm like, okay. You, so then, so then you kind of choose your deck and then you fine tune tune it with. Okay, have I accounted for all these things? Now, Conquest is still finding its way in the meta. There's a lot of diversity in the Warlords. Uh, there, there are stronger decks. Um, I, I've seen a lot of conversations about Kith still being a strong deck, and she still is. Um, I haven't lost to a Kith deck in a while, though. I've played some. I play semi regularly on Octagon. I play against some other guys. There was no Kith at the tournament in Nebraska. Hmm. The the makeup of the tournament in Nebraska was uh, was what three Space Marines, two Orcs. A chaos and two Eldar. 
right? Eldoroth, Starbane, two Ragnars, Kato, uh, Kugoth, not Zarathur, but Kugoth. Represent. And then two Nazdrag decks. Wow. That's, so there was no Kith there, which might explain why I lost. But anyways, you know, so that's that's how I kind of go about prepping for a tourney. And then um, I, I, my wife is a big into, into health food. And so I asked her, I said, how do I maintain my focus over a long period of time? Like these games, some of these tournaments, especially Netrunner being so big, Conquest is a bit smaller right now, but Netrunner is big. So Netrunner tournament can last, you know, 11, 12 hours. How do you keep your focus over that time? She said, eat almonds, almonds, walnuts, and blueberries. Uh, uh, provide the nutrients that your brain needs to be able to focus. And that's like kind of your brain energy. That's your brain food. So those three things. I don't like walnuts. I hate walnuts. <laughs> I can't eat walnuts. I'll have them in a salad, but I cannot eat almonds. I can eat blueberries. I can eat uh, bananas. Apparently, are also pretty good. Um, avoid the heavy carbs, which is exactly what all game stores and and <laughs> coffee stores sell. Right? Those big prepackaged muffins that taste so delicious, yeah. you'll feel like crap in about two hours. <laughs> I was going to say, when you're talking about maintaining focus for a long event and caffeine. Work in the cafe, we'll do just fine. Yeah, yeah, just keep yeah. going. So, <laughs> I, I have a new plan. I will be now offering my opponents muffins. There you go. There you go. <laughs> muffins you, and beer. Here, you, here's a here's a muffin. Here's a beer. Go for it. Would you Would you like to cut? And here's a muffin. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be using a muffin as my first planet marker. It's gonna wear down as we go for well, you. Here you are. And, and so so this is so an interesting conversation. I've I've avoided I've actually avoided caffeine on the way too much caffeine on the way in, because both in Netrunner and Conquest tournaments that I've had that first game my adrenaline starts pumping because I'm so mm. excited to play, and and it it I think it combines with the caffeine and I start shaking like a leaf oh, and yeah. sweating and it's I have I have like I'm, I get these caffeine shakes and I'm just like this. Ah. Uh, to- so Tobin's a hot that. mess. At his yeah. his so, first opponents are always worried that he's having some kind of attack. I, that, or that's, hot flashes. You know, yeah, that's that's what gives him the advantage in the beginning there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this so, guy's so, crazy. Oh my gosh. So so I've actually decided last few tournaments I've actually had some coffee but not finished my 16 ounces of coffee like I usually would mm. in a regular morning. I, I have to admit since we seem, seem to be in the um, health food advice a bit the caffeine comment was largely a joke it's in some <laughs> ways one of the worst things for you. That, no that's okay yeah. um, oh. It should make clear if you're going to do that um, long brew coffees and teas are actually one of the better ways of doing it. Um, okay. what, big, the big old um, iced tea for example is one of my common ones okay. like you know it's early morning so I've got a and then you drink right next to me. But I work in a, in a, coffee, in a coffee shop so I'm getting back on kilter you know <laughs> so yeah all right, cool. <laughs> All right, so Carl, we didn't do. We had, we have had two episodes of no fluff, no forty k content. Need um, some lore. We need some lore. <laughs> I, John and I, I haven't, I haven't read Ravener yet. I've read Eisenhorn. I haven't read Ravener yet. Um, and I'm waiting and for Tobin to read Ravner so then I can read Ravner. Oh, is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> okay, is that pop, what the pop plan this is? Round, you let me know. I'd, I'd forgotten that was the plan. So, um, yeah. So we need our fluff, dude. So this is this is the deal. Well, um, I'm first so of all, I'm, I'm, are you going to be our fluffer today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <there> <laughs> wow. Don't know about that, but I'll talk. 
so you know thank you for that alright um, well a, first thing I'm going to do is a, a, um, I know we had um, a, what, I ref- what I still refer to a regular series the Armour Bane debacle a while back so I've got to, I've got to make a, um, a comment here one of the guys reminded me that my um, my knowledge base on 40k is extremely um, erratic I played I played the game a long time back and I've missed things in the in the, in the the interim I know my setting and my background but some of the characters slipped me by such as Tokamado Cotez okay you know um, I think it was Wilhelm yeah Wilhelm yeah, yeah Wilhelm Mentioned, yes, um, one of the big things about Tokamada's setting is that he has um, spine networks. Actually, going into this a little bit further, um, if you look at the Imperial Guard units in Tokamada's army, they're not, um, normally an Inquisitor will turn up and go, I have a job to do. You, 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 you're going to come with me. You go to the, go to the, go to the local Astra Militarum, I need this many dudes, send them over to me, we're going to go do this. Yeah, Kotez doesn't do that. Kotez has plants in everything. All Kotez does is quietly puts out the word, and there is someone in every organization nearby. The, the, the joke is in the big sector he looks after, the Formosa, that in every meeting of three people, there are two, co- two co- to- Tokamada Kotez plants. <laughs> <laughs> is, and is do they know about each other or not? We don't Good know. Question. Okay. Fair question. Yeah, um, on this answer there, it's a, it's a, he has the most inordinately over-the-top spy network. And that's how he one of the, one of the ways he keeps control. He he has hardline beyond hardline. I checked it out. He executed his previous master for um, dabbling in warp magic in front of, the, of a conclave of inquisitors. Wow! So the guy is the guy is is without doubt a, a he brings the hammer right? well and truly, wow. well and truly. But on the front of inquisitors, as it were, today's one I wanted to mention was the emperor. The emperor is an interesting thing in the forty k setting because he's the most important character we're least likely to ever see a card for. I'm going to say least likely. I know card games. Um, not, not, <laughs> not impossible. Um, he's context for a lot of what we're playing around. And understanding the Emperor gets you a good idea of a, like a huge part of the 40k universe. Um, again, this is something I looked into a little more. I decided to go do a little bit of research on. And they finally decided some of the things about his background and how he came to be. They're really not important. What matters about the Emperor is that he was um, an extremely powerful, near like demigod or to be fair, divinely powerful human. Um, uh, uh, the earliest recorded powerful psyker we know about, and by powerful psyker again, just off the scale, unbelievable powerful, charismatic, high, hugely wisdom wise and, and intelligent, emerged on Earth in a huge period of warlords, and so became the best warlord, raised a huge army and united Earth itself, the um, pacification wars, I think they were called, where he went around beating up all the other warlords on the planet and united the whole thing. Around this time he um, he started developing troops with something called Thunder Armor that led through to Space Marine Power Armor, as it happens. Um, having done all that, um, they were starting to dabble with um, genetic um, engineering and modifying at that time. Um, the first couple of like experiments into this area coming up. And he realized he wanted um, powerful uh, lieutenants and to start looking into to making better, better soldiers. So he um, went through the Primarch project where he produced um, genetic sons of his rather than literal biological sons. Made these great, powerful um, people to be his proxies, to a degree. Um, these were the Primarchs. The Primarchs, in a, um, in a slightly vague event, were scattered across the galaxy by Chaos before they were released. Chaos seemed to be challenged by them, realized how strong they were. Maybe they had some later plan in mind, as I'll mention in a moment. Um, the Primarchs ended up on various different planets across the rest of the galaxy. Around the same time, the, um, the Emperor started to decree that humanity should start spreading to the stars. He realized how much of a danger it was in not having larger areas of space under, his, under their control. They was just asking for the humanity to be wiped out by being on the one planet or one system. So he started his great um, um, uni- unification drive. Should, should rewind a little bit. Humanity had already been out to, into the galaxy somewhat and had been separated off by the great warp storms 
the, um, okay. the, the, okay. the for the through that age, and so he started to send out forces to meet and pull them together. As he did this, he started to encounter his sons, the Primarchs, who'd all been shaped and um, their um, appearances and um, predilections coloured by the planets they'd been on. You know, um, Horus, um, the first of his sons, had, had grown up on a really f- um, feral, wild planet, a mixed um, hive world with a really like um, extremely harsh environment. So um, uh, he'd really a really harsh environment planet, and um, what the em- part of the project the emperor had, um, had conceived was to um, build units of troops based on the genetic c- coding from these various primarchs. So when he encountered Horus, he had already started to form the Lunar Wolves, which were the early Space Marines, the first legions as he rose them. Now the whole thing about the um, how the Space Marines are engineered is based on the on the gene seed, on the on the the genetic code that comes from each of these Primarchs. Okay. So the Lunar Wolves themselves were then chosen from the planet that Horus had grown up on. So they had that camaraderie, that same style, this harsh, bleak um, um, kind of like, uh, upbringing, as it were. Um, fast forwarding a little bit, the um, the major crusade, as it's now as it now gets referred to, starts to hit up against the Orcs and Ulanor. The Emperor himself led a, a major attack there, which is one of the first big conflicts between humanity and the Orcs. It had been going on for decades and centuries, but this is this was like cataclysmically massive as they attacked the whole whole solar system whole um, system. A good idea of how the Empire does things is as it's uh, beg your pardon, the Imperium does things, is as a celebration for ending that, the uh, plasma cut a continent flat for the for the um celebratory march. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> yeah this was this was the Emperor's big um, retiring for the crusade. He handed lead over to Horus as the war master. But yeah, I mean, seriously, this is the kind of size of thing we're talking about here. It's, it's <laughs> insane to think of. So what I'm kind of getting at there uh. is you have the Primarchs, which is our link to Space Marines in the game. Um, one of the Primarchs is um, uh, Robut Gilliman. Robut Gilliman is the source of the Ultramarines, from, from whom we get Kato Zacharias. So, okay. You know, you have that there. We have the Orcs, obviously, been fighting humanity for as long as you can think of. The Emperor is one of the first people to drive the humanity out towards that. Um, chaos itself, the various chaos gods and deities... As it turns out, the Emperor has been aware of them and quietly at, at, at conflict with Chaos for as long as we can think of, because they're the antithesis of what he wants humanity to operate as. He became aware of humanity's weakness of the warp. Um, humans are very powerful. Humans produce very many psychers. They're very powerful and very poorly controlled, and these are perfect conduits for the warp to enter our, our reality. And so the Emperor's been aware of that. Part of the um, idea of him retiring from the Crusade was to go and kind of meditate on this and decide how to deal with Chaos. Unfortunately, as it happens, Chaos um, infected and corrupted about half the legions of Space Marines, which is how we get our Chaos Space Marines. Horus himself turned, turned, and uh, Horus and another legions turned in, in the Horus Heresy in the Great um, right, Civil right, War, right, right. where the two halves of the Marines fought each other. He uh, mortally wounded the Emperor in, in an attack on Terra. He actually assaulted Earth itself, and um, the Emperor killed Horus and was mortally wounded in the in the um, conflict, and ended up um, encased in the Golden Throne, which. Currently in the setting is a, a huge life support machine, amongst other things. As it turns out, I was always reading about more recent things, part of what the throne was originally intended to be was a device to help humanity um, utilise the webway. I know I'm firing a lot of bits and bobs out here, but these are kind of all linked together. The webway was something the Eldar developed. The Eldar can't risk going through the warp proper. Um, the, uh, the fall of the Eldar Empire, create, the Eldar's forces, created Slanesh, the fourth chaos power. Mm. And Slanesh is ready to finish the job. Oh, He's okay. been hunting the Eldar forever. The Dark Eldar um, hide themselves away in a part of the webway known as um, Komora and the other areas there. And they um, they do their horrible stuff to stave off Slanesh. 
as kind of a keep their souls intact so okay. you can't take them. Okay. Eldar themselves know that when they die they're going to Slaanesh proper, hence the various spirit stones and ways of preserving themselves. So to go through the warp they built this webway, these tunnels through the warp. Um, the Emperor realised that this was both a powerful tool and a great weapon against the Imperium, their ability to travel around. So he wanted to control and access it. So part of what the original Golden Throne was designed to do was to link into this. Um, it turns out that Chaos um, would have um, basically been able to make use of this webway to attack Earth directly. So one of, the th one of the reasons the Emperor retired to Earth was to be the presence that controlled and protected this possible back door into, into oh, the wow. Imperium. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So he, he covered this whole thing there. Um, so the Emperor does protect. Quite literally <laughs> so. Hey, hey, quite, quite, li quite literally so. But there you go. You've got, got a, again, a direct connection to the Eldar and their interaction <laughs> with, with the Emperor and all this. So after the Horus Heresy and he was badly crippled, the um, the Golden Throne was also kind of like um, repurposed to keep him alive, keep him going, because he was he's the center of the Astronomicon, a, psy a psychic beacon that humanity uses to navigate by, essentially. Navigators and the various people who uh, direct, direct the, their ships through the warp, without this would not be able to travel as effective as they can. They can travel, it's just they, they can't travel the great distances necessary to make the Imperium work. The um, the black ships in Tokamada's um, deck that we've seen, the Emperor needs psychers, um sacrifice to him to keep going, basically. He needs okay. ones to, to maintain his um, choir to, to protect the Astronomicon. The black ships are the ones that collect the, the, the random psychers from humanity that can't be controlled properly, as far as Imperium is concerned, and brought in towards him. So, what I'm, what I'm kind of like getting around is the idea that this guy is, we're never going to see him, we're never going to encounter him, but he's, he's central to huge parts of the setting and explaining everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, massive parts that are going on. The reason Tyranids are interesting is they have almost no connection to that. They're the outside one, you know, coming in. Right, so. right. Well, yeah, the Tyranids are completely different, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Well, cool, thanks, Carl. That's, no problem. So that's, that, yeah, that right does provide some insight, because besides knowing that he was, he was on Earth and he was um, basically just... Be, people were being sacrificed to him. Psychers were being sacrificed to him. Mm -hmm. I didn't know too much about the... Emperor, and I knew I, I, I knew about Horus mm -hmm. injuring him, but I didn't know about the all the right. And timeline wise, that was that stuff. was what ten thousand years, yeah. roughly ten thousand years before the current. Yeah, yeah, thirty thousand k. Yeah, yeah, thirty k. Yep. So, well, cool. All right, thanks for that, Carl. So, um, moving from fluff to the the and the universe, what are you guys playing? Carl has talked about. Um, being touched, touched by the chaos mind, uh, I have to admit I've I've dabbled in in the magics of chaos. <laughs> if that's how you refer to it, I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Now. Sorceries. Of, I haven't uh, had my caffeine yeah, yet, yeah. as we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you mentioned um, uh, love and hate with decks at the moment. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. So the, um, the, the 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 deck stuff I've been I've been loving has been um, the Zaratha and Anshi. Um, there's a lot of talk about how powerful Orn she is at the moment with some of the cards he got supporting him, and he's been great fun to play. And sort of bouncing around with that. Um, w one of the fun little details I found recently, certainly playing against yourself, was um, even the odds in the current meta, both with Orn she and, and his toys, and with what people like using against you. Like, um, if you've played against Shadow Sun deck, you've encountered a heavy marker drone. <laughs> yeah. Repeatedly. The same one over and over again. Yeah, so even the, even, even the odds is fantastic. <laughs> um, in, in two separate games, I've moved a, um, a, a marker drone from 
something he tar- someone someone targeted to a rogue trader on a different planet. <laughs> you keep hold of that, it's fine. Just stay over there and it'll stay there all game. You know, that kind of thing. And moving your own ones around, there's nothing better than dropping down your various range units and then throwing, moving a, a gun drone or a iron rifle to where it needs to go. So yeah, those have been yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you remember Zarathur in the tournament we did. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I turned mm-hmm. out nice there. Um, I've been fortunate to have a lot of people playing other chaos things around. I've been trying out Cacophonic Choir. Which yeah. um, sounds like a particularly non-Zarathur card until you realise at least you're softening people up, if not removing a unit. I mean, right. there's lots, lots of small unit meta right, right now, so just throwing right. out damage is great. Um, what's it called? Uh, Made to Fight, is it? I forget. Made to Fight. Made to Fight, which was good. I'm, I'm, I had to back off on that. It was good fun, but it's not been as strong. It's a, know. it's an orc event, two or three cost. I two, think it's I think. two cost. Yeah. It's, a, it's either one or two shields. Mm-hmm. Um, and you play it when an army unit you control has left play to deal the printed attack value damage to another unit in play. Mm-hmm. To another unit at that planet. That planet yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So with Zarephur's Flamers, of course, you get three three sets of damage. Yeah. You attack, yeah. you explode, you play. And that's that's worked just fine, but it's been a little, a little I found it unreliable. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misplaying, but in terms of what else can fit in the deck. Well it's you know. yeah, it might, it's I don't think it's worth three slots. Mm-hmm. It might be worth Two, it's a fair comment. Because yeah. you know, if you can hit, because you don't have to do it to another unit, you can do it to a. So, a single flamers can do nine damage to something, mm-hmm. to a non warlord. Yes, it's worth mentioning. You can't use it to assassinate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that one flamer can take care of a yeah. space wolf predator, and you can and you, and you can spread it around too. I mean, three three sets of three damage as it turns into with Zarathus. Yeah, is, is yeah. Well worth yeah. Effect three is effectively what it is, right? Yep. Yep. Now Zarathur is a two Zarathur Flamers are a two cost. Made to fight is a two cost. So you get an area one time area effect three for two yeah, but it's a surprise out of your hand. So yep. that that is a fact. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna clear a lot a lot of opposing units out of your from your opponent. And all of a sudden what might be an even fight, all of a sudden you ideally you could be overwhelming them. Yep. And, and it's not an, it's not an attack. Right? Yeah, that's so indomitable is not a bill is not a way to yeah. it's not triggered. But I mentioned as well because of those kind of tricks, I found that um, certainly these days cacophonic in the current meta is is really good. Um, cacophonic choir deals damage. Beg your pardon. Cacophonic choir um, makes your opponent in the deploy phase deal indirect damage to his units equal to the number of units he has. Right. So it turns into a do I soak it in one? Do I spread it around? Generally, I find people soften up units, which is a great one for Nurgling Bomb and more Zarathur hits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And then on the hate side, I have to um, include Zarathur, because the last four or five games I've played have been absolutely <laughs> atrocious. Um, I, so I, played I, against him? Yeah, or, or, no, or No, with him. With him. Oh, okay. This is the kind of thing I have to get in here. After I played the tournament, I've had no <laughs> luck with the guy. Period. I've been working, changing all these things, trying all this stuff. I'm thinking, this is really great fun, and I'm winning nothing. <laughs> oh, so just recently I went back to launch, bad. and after a run of about five, five flat losses with like, like not a winning I went, okay, I'll go back to Onshi. I know how this works. Is, right. is, is it just me at the moment? Onshi immediately wins. Nah, it's not me. Okay. <laughs> cool. You know, so whatever's going on, that's just not doing it for me right now. Yeah. You know. And then you mentioned Baharov. Have you guys played against much? I've played Baharov? against him and played as him. Yeah. You know, playing as him is, is tough. There's a freedom to it because you're like, ah, I don't have to go there because I can move there later. Yay. But then you're like, oh, my warlord isn't there with his hawks and now my hawks are zero two ponies that aren't going to get do anything so there's there's a lot of le- there's a, some some uh, I don't know I don't know if it's intricate but there's some complex learning curves involved with each of these newer warlords 
and and Brad mentioned this much mm-hmm. last in the last interview, right? So he said that some of these take a little bit more practice than uh, you know Ragnar Blackmane, like, but but Baharoth and his hawks and mobility, you kind of got to move around. On Shi, I've played a couple of games of On Shi, and sometimes he works really well, and then sometimes I'm challenged to keep anybody at the planet <laughs> to win the battle, right? Because because all those ethereals. All his ethereal units take off once they attack. So there's the complexity of how you play the those action windows, you know, the the cloud city, for lack of a better term, that Anshi has, right? Cassimian mm-hmm. city or whatever that is that allows you exhaust it to move an ethereal from HQ to a planet and, and ready him. That's one of my favorite little you know. timey ones right now because it's a combat action. So the yep. trick is, is to have a second combat in which you can move on Shi when he's already gone home from somewhere to get him somewhere, and right. that can be, you can't trigger another combat from that if there's an already one because you don't have a window in which to get him over there. Yeah. Right. There are yeah. there, you 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 can um, in the battle resolution in the in the uh, com- combat phase. So there's three point three where you check for an additional battle at the next planet. So resolve battle at the first planet. See battle resolution, and then there's an action window, and that in that oh, action window, so you can bounce between there. that's when you bounce. Right, but you okay. must do it then. Yeah, then you check for additional battle at the next planet. You have battle at that planet. You come, you come back. You tap your second city. You go to the next planet. So you, right. so you can as long as he's not actually, um, as long as he's winning those battles. Right, I, I guess it's well, not as long as, as, long as he's attacking, battles. basically. As long as he's attacking. Yeah, you send as long as there's something to be done. He can go when he he can trigger multiple battles in which there are no opponents, and he can just keep going. So yeah, we checked that yesterday because I, I I had that timing question as well. Oh, I see. That that makes a lot of sense. Jesus, quite powerful. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, but you need you know there's there's only three of them. You need to get them. They cost two. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you gonna are you gonna use them to do that? Because Sometimes you don't have that opportunity. It's good command sniping in that case, though. I mean, when, when there have been multiples triggered, he's, de- he's I mean, on she is like Baharov is a definition of you have small command units, dead, dead, dead. Right. You know, right. basically. And what I did with on she uh, a couple days ago was I moved him. I kept moving him to the planet that gives you if you have fewer units, then you get three credits or three car- three resources or three cards. And so I kept going back to that. Planet. Like I did, I think I triggered that planet three times in four turns, and 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 I had, you know, I had card draw and resource all over the guy, uh, but then, um, but I don't know if I actually won that game. I think I might have lost that game because I was spending so much time trying to recover. I was using all my resources to recover from him mm-hmm. beating me down mm-hmm. that I wasn't able to actually get ahead of the curve. I did I did have a um, <clears throat> that intense negotiations before I switched it for even the odds won me a game where I got three triggers of the deal one damage for everything at Planet or, UK, or HQ oh, for, wow. my, for my own mini warp storm yep. was to hit it once yep. hit, hit it once, hit it, um, untap him isn't, yeah, um, yeah, end of the battle um, resent him back out with um, with the city to, to do another to do another tense negotiations, so they turned into three damage to everything at HQ. Wow. wow! So yeah, and that was just like yeah, that's a reset. There we go. Yeah, you know that's, that's one of the stu- good. stupidest things I've seen done easily. Yeah, so, tense, you know. tense negotiations <laughs> is a good one with Archie. Yeah. I mean that 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 much is clear. I've been hit with it with Baharov is the one that's nasty because of because because he can bounce around so well. 
Oh, yeah? Know, trigger, okay. trigger, go to a planet to get the combat, then go where you want to. You're no longer in danger. Tense negotiations of that planet. Oh, no, here we go. Yeah. You know, yeah. moving units around and routing them, and yeah. So. Yeah, that, that uh, moving on to a deck that I love, I've, I've been trying to learn Baharat. Mm-hmm. And now, as, as I've stated before, I'm a straightforward player <laughs> that I'm repeatedly trying to hit you hit you over the head with a bat. Um, you, you hit it right on the head that there's a complex learning curve. And I think I'm beginning to get it with Baharat. But what I did was I had to dumb it down for myself. Mobility is a uh, an option, right? I don't have to use mobility. Correct. So how I'm learning how to play this guy is... Okay, this is what I want to do with the Warlord. I ignore the uh, mobility to begin with, right? I commit him to the planet I want him to be at. I'm doing all that. Okay. So that's so I'm seeing how the deck works. And then now it's like once I get that down, now I'm beginning to tweak with, okay, so that's what I want with my end result. How do I get there through intermediate steps using mobility to help protect him, protect my units more? All right. So, all right. so I, I kind of had to approach it from a backwards point of view going this is what my end result is rather than just you know going from point a to point b it's like okay now my end result is here i can go to point you know a1 a2 a and then to b right because your first instinct on all these is to build a deck that maximizes the advantage of that particular warlord right? exactly and, and I, I mean all of a sudden mobility i was just like off that a little bit backing mm-hmm. off the backing off the accelerator a little bit with that plan yeah rec- recognize that you know, ultimately, all warlords act the same. They commit to a planet, and then there's a battle at that planet. Right. You know, you're, you you deploy your units the same. You know, uh, you deploy them at a planet. When you get to have when you get to have the tricks like mobility, now you're you're it's all the misdirection. It's like I'm going to deploy here, but now my opponent really doesn't know where I'm going to go. Right. So right. I, I I you know, it is a fun deck to play. Um, in in the fact that I I don't know how effective I'm at it yet, but it just kind of along the lines like ah didn't, you know no one no one expects Baharath from Planum <laughs> you know swapping the mobile units from the, I think I mean, the the what you guys can see is Toby miming shell game here yeah yeah, yeah you're five, moving five, all kinds of stuff around yeah five 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 planets find find the other find the yeah. other yeah <laughs> no. conversely um, that's also a that. I haven't played an opponent yet that has been playing a very effective Baharat deck where they do the shell game. But with all the other games that I have played, that is a deck I hate playing against. <laughs> One, because you don't know where you're going. But also, a lot of times, you're like, okay, I'll deploy my unit here. And then it takes your opponent five minutes of, I'm deploying here, moving here, deploying this, this triggers here, bringing this over here. Just this overly complicated kind of thing. And you're like, all right, and now uh, for my second turn, five minutes later, I'll deploy here. <laughs> yeah, go. You 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 just kind of like, oh boy, come on. You there know. is a bit of that, especially with Anshi. I mean, with Anshi and his triggers and and the Kayun strikes and the other mm-hmm. things, um, it can get uh, it can get. So pretty going nauseating. back going back to tournaments, if you are going to play a deck like that, one, you better know your timing windows, because mm-hmm. it's easy to get lost in that but also if you don't know if you're not rock solid on them and you make a mistake and your opponent is rock solid in where those rules are and they call you on it oh boy that one that's egg on your face but all of a sudden it's going to throw you off it's going to throw you off your game like wait a minute 
I thought how that, that's how this deck worked, but it doesn't work that way. And also, then again, you may be you're like, no, this is how the deck works, and the opponent disagrees, and now you're beginning to question, like, wait a minute, is this the deck? How, how the deck's supposed to work? And if you have to explain how, that to your terminal organizer, uh, who may who may be a little iffy on the rules. Uh, hopefully, the terminal organizer is not iffy on the rules. So you know you're going to play a deck like that who has a lot of moving parts, a lot of mechanics like that. You better be rock solid in there. Mm -hmm. And then as you're doing it, explain why you're doing it to your opponent. Yeah, you don't have to explain yeah. it every time, but at least the first couple times, you kind of yeah. say, you know, yeah. I'm using this ability to move Absolutely. here. Absolutely, communication across the table is yeah. is paramount. I'm going to cut in and say um, I I I agree and disagree slightly. I I personally found because I'm actually a, a less card played player than you guys. I vocalize everything. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm paying to, to deploy this guy here. I'm paying this much to play mm -hmm. that. I'm using this to shield that. Say mm -hmm. everything. Don't assume. Don't assume a darn thing. Yeah. yeah. We've all played Netrunner and the good old fashioned you know, click one, click two. Right. It, we, you say that for your for your own benefit and for your opponent. And in in um, in conquest for me, it's you know okay. So we're finished with um, command. Um, we've we're finished committing. We've got our resources. The command phase action window. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Moving on. Just yeah, right. vocalize every darn thing. Definitely, yeah. you know, totally. And so, and 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 um, this has been, this has been a point of uh, confusion in in the, a few games I've played uh, in the last few weeks. The 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 first person to pass on their action window during combat is the person who has initiative that combat, and it never stops. So if you have the warlord, and if you have the warlord and you have combat initiative, you are. Whether it's you're gonna you attack next or not, you always have the open action window first. Mm -hmm. So it's always no actions. So it's exactly. so you're the you're the catalyst that starts that no actions, no actions, twice in a row. If and again, if if the your opponent takes an action and you have an you have a chance to respond to it with it, your own action, and then you can pass. And then once there's two consecutive passes. The action window is closed, so be sure you know. Because once you say, if you want to tap your katakan, and you say, okay, no actions, and you're like, ah, and he says no actions, you can't exactly go back and say, oh, by the way, I wanted to tap my katakan because now he's revealed some new information that is in the game yeah. before to, you yeah, move to, your katakan. To down. build on build on that, the habit I've got into is at the start of a combat, it's all okay. Clearly, I always start a combat with who's got initiative. I like I fire out even if it's not me, whatever. I'll go like, okay. So starting combat. Oh right, you've got your warlord. I've got initiative. So you've got initiative. Your action window. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yep. Make it make it as plain as you possibly can. You know. Yep. Right. Don't don't, don't and they say don't not as a, not trying to be nasty about this, but don't let the other player skip over these. You you need to do that yourself. You need to make sure your those windows those have been stepped through because like you say, once once two of us have passed consecutively, the whole window's shut. So being being as clear as you possibly can about that while still keeping the game flowing is going to help both you and your mm -hmm. opponent a lot. Yeah, especially mm -hmm. if 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 uh, don't assume that your opponent knows exactly how your cards play in your because one they can't see your hand. So right. uh, if you slap stuff down without it kind of explaining that, it's like I've I've had people kind of say, "Wait, back up! You just did three things. Can you please tell me?" You know, do one thing at a time. Right. And I've had some people go, well, does it matter? I said, yes, because depending on how you're going to play something, I am going to respond to it. Right, right. Kind of thing. You know, there's always responses There's always responses to cards being played. Right. Um, and, I, again, if, you're, if, you're, if you have the initiative, you don't have any actions, don't go to attack right away. 
ask. If I, I'm passing <laughs> yeah, my actions. That's true. Yep. Do you have yep. any actions? Absolutely. Yep. Um, so, so what is it? What are the decks that you love, John? What are the decks that you love? What are your love hate relationships right now? Um, I'm still in love with Astromola Terra. I'm still in love with, with, uh, um, with Chaos. Chaos with Zerathur. I think that's I'm, I'm beginning. I'm beginning to I'm beginning to cool. <laughs> I'm beginning to try to play with play with Zerathur and and the Throne of Vainglory deck. Okay. All so right. th- that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, maybe I'm behind the curve there. Uh, Kugath, of course. I just love the idea of, of moving all the damage around. And like I said, I'm beginning to try to play Baharath. Um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm. I, I think I'm. T- I, I, not that I hate them, but I'm tired of playing Space Marines. I've played Ragnar a lot, prepping for that regionals, and I played him. And he folded so so easily and without without um, uh, without any kind of backbone. So I'm I'm kind of retired my space marine for now, and I and I'm I still I think the one I I don't know if there's one that I don't like playing. Urian, as as someone who's played Urian against people, can make for a negative play experience for the other person so you really need to because i mean like i haven't won with him like i like there's there's been a a friend of mine has talked about he hasn't figured out how to beat the urian denial deck and frankly i have i've won i I think maybe i played maybe i've won one game with him but um i've played six or seven games either as or against urian and i think i've only won once because it's a card for card denial, right? And if they happen to get the one-offs, and it, ultimately it's about winning planets. You don't need to kill Urian, right? If they win that planet because you don't have any command icons there and you don't have any units there because you spent all this time trying to get rid of their stuff, it sucks, right? So so Urian can make for a negative play experience. So I, I was playing him. I played him a couple times, but... I'm I'm only going to play him live. I've played him live a couple <laughs> times. I've played him on Octagon a couple times, but on Octagon, I think it's it's kind of one of those. Oh, like I could see my opponent going. I don't know why I'm bothering with this. You're just taking all the cards out of my hand. That's not gonna, fun. I was, was going to say it's like right. you you mean that a card denial and control deck can lead to a negative card gaming yeah. experience? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> News yeah. eleven. So my my advice to yeah. players who are playing against that kind of deck: go go with the baseball bat approach. They can't deny cards out of your hand if you play them out. Right, right. I mean, that, that kind of play links, them quick. Links, well, that's the other thing as well. It links into the meta. The meta is full of small units. So generally, you can play the vast majority of what you have in your hand. Yeah. yeah. So what's yeah. Urian going to get at? He's going to get a shield card or two. Yeah. If he doesn't have big units to back it up, no one cares. So it gets, it gets and, and And the thing with yeah. him is maybe he needs more torture to turn on because he does, there's a lot of events that, he ca- that are really expensive for him to play. Yes, his signature event is a zero cost, but, you know, the... And power from pain is a one cost instead of a two cost, as we talked with Brad last week, last time. But wow, right? It's it's that if card you, for you're, card. You're not winning. Yeah, that's what I say. I, I, if I'm sitting down from that opponent and they're paying those, and they're they're using their cards to take cards out of my hand, I have to feel like I'm I have the advantage because it's like okay, great. As soon as I play units and I have units out on the board. You know, all those cards to take all those all those cards to take things out of my hand are dead cards in his hand, dead cards in his in his grip. Yep. 
but he doesn't have the units on the board to deal with my units, and ultimately it does come down to getting an army on the board and get, having, having armies at the planets. Yeah. Maybe yeah. this is a, a timing thing. I, I, I haven't seen, um, I haven't pl actually played against Rakarf yet at all. And ones I've seen, but like you said, been mainly about um, the deal of here's as much possible torture effects and ways to capitalize it as I can think of. Maybe this is more of a deal of you need to build a fairly regular Dark Eldar deck that uses those torture and things to go, okay, I'm set up for a decent, important fight here. What you have in your hand right now matters to me far more than what you've got on the table. So go away, go away, go away. I suddenly, I don't, I don't pick you the pieces. I suddenly nuke your hand, hoping I hit the shields and things, and that gets me the edge in combat. Right. Maybe that's the tactic right now. Probably. I, can't, I, can't it's prob I would think that would be more effective than trying to yeah. get stuff in the beginning, yeah, hoping. Away. Yeah. Because right. I mean, the most common thing you see is you know, events, Colosseum fighters, back it comes. Event, another Colosseum fighters. Yeah, there we go. More torture. I'm just yeah. slowly yeah. chipping away at. At the wrong phase of the game, I think, in that case. Yeah. I mean, if you're lucky and you hit the units, great, but you know, because the hand's going to be fuller then than it probably might be. If you've got one kind of get out, if you've got, if you can get a decent command lock, and then after the opponent's drawn almost no cards, take cards out of his hand. Yeah, that's rough. That that's rough. That would know? be that would be where you want to yeah, where you want to hit him. Yeah. And then in it, I like I like for myself for both both Netrunner and Conquest, what, that post-regionals period for me is the creative period, right? I, I don't have regionals just behind you. Uh, my, my, I, I get to start creating. So I, I you know, I, as I typed up the notes for this, this particular episode, I have chaos. As I used to hate playing chaos, but I think I've gotten over it. Yeah, I've gotten over it. I'm, I'm playing chaos now. Right? I've <laughs> built a deck and I've had fun with it. So um, uh, one of the... We, we're, we're still hosting a Conquest League at Total Escape Games on the Wednesdays, uh, April through July. Um, there is a regionals here in Denver on June 6th uh, here in Denver at Wizard's Chest. There is a regionals at our um, podcast hosting uh, the Covenant Store in Tulsa, Oklahoma on June 6th. So look into those if you're in those areas. We'll, Don and I, as we've mentioned before, we got our tickets for Nationals, the Conquest Nationals at Gen Con, so we'll see you Thursday. And then we are working on a new logo, so if you see us posting some of those images, uh, let us know what you think. Thanks to Team Covenant for hosting this broadcast and the Haunted Game Cafe for the recording space. If you would like to join the discussion, have ideas for future episodes, feedback, or questions for us, you can contact us at traxissectorwarcast at gmail.com. That's traxissectorwarcast at gmail.com. Via our Facebook page or Twitter at traxissectorwc. Or leave a comment in the episode's comment section. This episode was sponsored in part by Rocky Mountain PC. Thanks for listening. The Emperor Protects. Protects.